Romans 3, we've been looking at this on what is Reformation Sunday. And I draw your attention to the text that we announced this morning, verse 24, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. This let's unite our heart together in prayer. Lord, we do thank Thee again for Thy presence. We thank the Lord for many tonight who can sing, I'm only a sinner saved by grace. Lord, we do pray that Thou would teach us even of this great truth I might bless our souls again tonight. I would give us help and understanding. To that end, we pray for the outpouring of thy Holy Spirit. Thou would, Lord, teach us. And thou would apply the word to each and every heart. Whether it's to the saint that has been on the road a long time. Or whether it's to the believer just of a short while. Lord, I pray that thou would speak to the unconverted. There be a word in season for them as well. Think of the boys and girls. Lord, remember the children. Remember the children, Lord, that will be off school this week. Pray, Lord, that I would keep them from the devilment that is abroad today. And we pray, O oh God, that I would watch over our children and I would preserve them. And O oh God, that I would, Lord, save them early in life. Lead them on with thyself. Courage, Lord, in the children's meetings. And Lord, we thank thee for each one that comes in Remember them for good. Thank you, Lord, for the young people, for the youth work. We pray, Lord, that I would bless that good number that comes out on a Friday night. Lord, that I would work among them as well. But, Lord, we look to thee just now. We pray, Lord, that I would shut us in, even for this little time remaining. That I would fill me with thy spirit. That I would give us help from a sanctuary tonight, even to preach as thus. And thus saith the Lord, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. We've been considering the pivotal truth of the Protestant Reformation on what is Reformation Sunday. What is it? Well, it simply is how a sinner can be justified before a holy God and what justification means. We know that this morning it is a declaration that only God can make, declaring a soul to be in a right standing before him and as one who's righteous. In his sight. We considered how this truth is taught erroneously by the Roman Catholic Church and by the transfusion of grace into a sinner, and it is by the means of baptism. Men and women, we're only considering tonight, we're only interested really in what saith the Scriptures. That is the important matter. And the Bible teaches that it is God that justifieth, it is a divine act. Not something that a man can do. Not something that a man can say a form of words to which will bring it about. It is something that is a gift of God. And if you look at my text in verse 24, we noted we ended this morning that the word freely it clearly brings that out. It is something that is freely bestowed even by the Lord. We turned you to Romans 5 and 16. We also brought you to Matthew 10 and verse 8 to show you other places where that word freely is used. You remember how the Lord sent out his disciples and he gave them power to be able to heal the sick and to touch the lepers. And they were to do it freely. In the sense is they were to do it without any charge. They were not to ask anything for it. And that same word freely 
is also used in our text. Being justified before God cannot be worked up on the part of the sinner, neither can it be obtained by filling the coffers with the coinage of silver and gold. It is freely a a declaration even by God himself. I want you to turn with me to another reference. John 15, in the words of verse 25. John 15 and verse 25. It's part of that great sermon to his disciples in the upper room ere he went to the cross. Part of that message was of how they would have the comforter given, the Holy Ghost. He wouldn't be left, left as orphans. And he brings out various truths concerning even the Holy Spirit. You'll notice one of them in verse 26. But if I back up just to verse 25, it says, But this cometh to pass, that the word might be fulfilled that is written in their law, they hated me without a cause. You might maybe be tempted to say, Preacher, I doubt you've got the wrong reference. The word freely is not found in that verse that you've just read. You see the little word, the little phrase, without a cause. They hated Christ without a cause. There was nothing in him that would justify their anger and their hatred of him. He did nothing that would warrant such hatred. That word is the same word as freely. That's found in Romans 3 and 24. In fact, if you bring it over, you could read the verse like this. Being justified without a cause by his grace. There is no merit in any one of us whereby God should declare us right or righteous in his sight. But he does so because of his matchless grace. Being justified freely by his grace. That unmerited favor that God bestows on those who don't deserve it. Who deserve nothing but his eternal wrath and judgment. Oh, minimum of what grace that is. That's why we've been singing. I'm only a sinner. Saved by grace. That he should favor us. That he should declare us just and be in a right standing before him. We who are guilty of all that the apostle has wrote about. Even in the opening verses of Romans chapter 3. There was no righteousness in any one of us. We were those who didn't seek after God. We were unprofitable. We were gone out of the way. Our tongues are full of evil and iniquity. We are those sinful wretches. Yet God freely hath justified we who are saved and have believed on Jesus Christ for salvation. And dear loved one, if you're not saved tonight, you can know sin's forgiven. You can know pardon for sin. This evening, you can be declared just in God's sight. But you know, you must come by faith alone to the Lord Jesus Christ alone and be saved. That was the message that the reformers delivered. By grace alone, grace solia, solia fida, by faith alone, solia fidea, and by Christ alone, solia Christos. By grace, by faith, by Christ alone. You see, verse 22, saving faith is in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe you can't be saved through a church. You can't be saved through churchianity. It is only in the person 
and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ alone. Verse 25, it is by faith in his blood. In other words, his blood and righteousness is what you must be resting upon. Is that where you're found tonight? I want you to note the means of justification. You see, the question is asked, how can God be just and also the justifier of them that believe? How can a holy God declare filthy, lost, sinful man justified in his sight and still be holy? And the answer, it's found in my text because therein is found the purchase. While man could do nothing to justify himself, that doesn't mean that a price had not to be paid. God doesn't declare a soul to be justified at the expense of his, of his justice. Sin had to be paid for, and that's the reason, therefore, as to why God can justify the penitent sinner. It is through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. That's what the rest of the text says. Redemption comes from a word which means to loosen. It's often associated with clothing, even with the oxen, and they were loosened from the yoke that was upon them. But more especially in the Bible times, and particularly in the Old Testament, it was used by, to describe the ransom. And if you take, come back with me into the Old Testament and to where the ransom is spoken about, you will see that to be the case. I want to bring you to the book of Job. And Job 33 and 24 says, Deliver him from going down to the pit. I have found a ransom. But men and women, it is to chapter 25 of Job that I want to take you in particular. And you'll notice from the first verse that it's one of Job's so-called friends that is speaking. Then answered Bildad the Shuhite. Do you see the words of verse 4? How then can man be justified with God? Or how can he be clean that is born of a woman? Now it has to be said that while Bildad asked a very good, a very relevant question, you can just picture him there, he's taking his turn as the others have spoken now, he's speaking to Job. And Job's sitting on the dungle of the city and he's scraping himself with that potsherd. He's covered from head to toe in boils and sores. And Bildad asks a very relevant question. Yet it must be understood that the reason for him asking it was because he misunderstood. And he was in ignorance to what Job standing before God really was. He asked the right question, but he applies it wrongly because he applies it to Job. Job was confident that God would not plead his power against him. But this so-called friend thought that Job was acquitting himself before God on account of his own righteousness. And that's why he puts the question to him. How then can a man be justified with God? This question rightly implies that man is not fit to stand before a holy God. For man by birth and of himself is in ignorance of the things of God. We have looked today from the book of Romans. The book of Romans is often known as the book of the Reformation. And this chapter 3 we've been looking at, Paul reminds us, verse 11, there is none that understandeth, there's none that seeketh after God. And if that is the case naturally, it is. And it was even more so before the Reformation for the dark ages were the times where the word of God had been set aside. 
But more than that, the scriptures and this verse in particular records that man by birth is an avowed enemy of God. If I can draw your attention to Romans 5 and verse 10, again, it's a poignant word. It says, For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more being reconciled, we will be saved by his life. Man in his natural state is no friend of God. For he has turned his back on him. And that enmity against God, against the Christ of God, was heard. And it was seen in all its volume and in all its shamefulness at the cross of Calvary. For there they cried out, away with him. Crucify him. We will not have this man to rule over us. That's still the cry of man to this very night. Maybe it's your cry sitting in the house of God under the preaching of the everlasting gospel. Preacher, I will not have this man to rule over me. I want to live my own life. I want to go my own way. If man is an enemy to God, and he is, then how can he be justified with God? That dear soul is your state before a holy God tonight if you're not saved. You're an enemy. You're in ignorance. For the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them that believe not. That's the glorious light of the gospel who is the image of Christ should shine unto them. Yea, you are one who is an enemy to God without hope in this world or in that which is to come. And here's a question which although obscure before the Reformation, you must give greatest attention to. How can a man be just before God? Bildad, knowing the truth of the Scriptures, was therefore to ask such a question, believing, of course, wrongly, but believing that Job wrongly justified himself in some works that he had done. How then can a man be justified with God? You see, the adjourning question is just as relevant in the words of verse 4, Job 25, he says, Or how can he be clean that is born of a woman? The record of the scriptures state that we're sinful, that we're unclean. There's none that doeth good, no, not one. We're like the lepers of old, have to cry out, unclean, unclean. You're in the book of Job still. Just turn back to Job 15, verse 16. He says, how much more abominable and filthy is man, which drinketh iniquity like water. How much more filthy. Sin has defiled every one of Adam's loins. And while to be justified is to be declared righteous in God's sight, the opposite is true of mankind. We are declared guilty. We are filthy. We are unprepared. We are unfit to stand before God. And it was that that Luther sought the answer for. He wanted to know that peace and the pardon of soul. He couldn't find it in himself. He couldn't find it in Romanism. He couldn't find it in the monastery. He couldn't find it even as he set himself to go to Rome and to climb the staircase. He came away more discouraged than ever he did or ever he was before he went. 
He didn't find peace and pardon until God opened his eyes in Romans 1 and verse 17, the just shall live by faith. I don't know where you're looking for this peace with God tonight, dear friend, but it remains to be something that you must have and you must find if you're ever to be in God's heaven. The Reformation, in short, it gave back to men and women the teaching of the scriptures of truth. It took the church away from the traditions and from the ideologies of men and from the popes in Rome. And it gave them the teaching of God's word. The word that is forever settled in heaven. That word which may take you take for granted tonight. And yet which men prior to the dark ages and afterwards will be burned at the very stake for. Why? Because they believed its truth. For the sinner in bondage to sin, they need to be redeemed if they are to be saved. They must be set free and loosed from the slavery of sin and the devil has them bound with. And for that to happen, there had to be one who would purchase our redemption. There had to be one who would pay the ransom price so that God's justice for sin would be satisfied. And that one is the Lord Jesus Christ because he came not to be ministered unto but to minister and to give his life as a what? Ransom for many. He purchased eternal redemption. Consider also that when we look at this word, it reminds us of the payment that had to be made. There's no redemption without the cross of Calvary. The cross brings us to consider the sufferings and the agonies that the Savior had to endure. He had to pay the punishment for our sin if he was to set his people free. And there he gave us back to the smiters. And there his head, they pressed long thorns down into his brow. And there his face was marred more than any man's. And he was to endure the cross. He was to despise the shame. He who knew no sin, yet became sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Our substitute, who took upon himself the form of our nature and became man, was to identify with sinful man. He was to stand in her guilty room instead. He was to satisfy the demands of God's holy law. You know, of course, that the law demanded without the shedding of blood, there's no remission. Christ didn't die of natural causes. He shed his own precious blood. He was crucified on yonder middle tree and bless his name, he paid it all. For he shed his precious blood. He cried, it is finished. I love to give that verse to any Roman Catholic that I'm speaking to. The work is finished in Calvary. John chapter 19 and verse 30. Three words in English, just one word in the original. Finished. And we read in Hebrews chapter 9 and 12. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood. He entered in once into the holy place having obtained eternal redemption for us. That sacrifice for sin doesn't need to be repeated as the Church of Rome teaches by her Mass. That's why I won't go to a Roman Catholic funeral in a chapel. I don't see the need. 
I can pay my respects as I've done many a time to neighbors and so forth. But I don't go to a blasphemous mass. And our Protestant people are forgetting that. Calvary can never be repeated. It's once and for all. And Christ has paid the full price. A once for all work. The punishment that was our due has been laid on Christ. And all who trust in him are justified freely by his grace. By the redemptive work of the Savior. The great exchange is made. At the point of conversion, what does he do? He takes our sin off us. He removes our sin as far as the east is from the west. And he closes in his righteousness. And when God justifies a person, then that means they're forgiven completely from all their sin. If you turn back to Acts chapter 13, you'll see there how Paul preached even this great truth. Acts chapter 13, look at the words of verse 38. He brings them to consider Christ. But you know he doesn't leave them on the cross. Verse 30, God, but God raised them from the dead. Look at verse 38. He said, Be it known unto you therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. By him all that believe are justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. Is that your standing tonight, dear loved one, in this house? You're justified by God from all things that ever you've done and ever will do. Just as if you'd never sinned. That's what God does, you see, in salvation. On account of the payment and the punishment that Christ bore for all who will believe to the saving of their soul. Now that doesn't give you a license to go out and to live like a devil all the rest of the week and profess his name on Sunday. That tells me that you're not born again at all. But oh, what a glorious truth that we're justified from all things, all of the sins of the past. The means of our justification It's because of our great high priest. You know, he doesn't redeem us merely by the words that he spoke as a prophet. He doesn't save us merely by his authority as king, but he redeems us because he is the high priest who offered himself as a once-for-all sacrifice for sin. It is in Christ that we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, because Christ made that purchase through the offering of himself as our great high priest. That is why the sinner can be brought back to God. That is why the sinner, how the sinner can be delivered from the prison house of sin and declared just by God. And the Savior then becomes our prophet, our priest. Aye, and he's our king. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, men and women, don't you think that you can be saved without the Lord being sovereign over you? You know, there's a false notion abroad that is preached from many a pulpit. You just can be saved and yet you can be in living in disobedience. That's a nonsense. Lord means sovereign. He's over and you, he's our new master. Jesus, Lord Jesus, means savior. Christ, the anointed of the Father. 
And if we're saved, then we'll want to obey the Lord. We have redemption through the person of Christ. The means of our justification is all of him. That is the pivotal doctrine of the Reformation that sets people and nations free from the darkness and dogmas of Romanism. And thank God is still able to do so this day. Tell me, are you justified tonight? Are you saved? Have you peace with God because your, saving, your faith is in Christ alone? If not, then come now. Even before I finish this message and accept Christ as your prophet and as your priest and as your king. But I want to just close with this thought. There's the assurance of justification. How then can a man be justified with God? Though he is a sinner. Though he is deserving of the wrath and the punishment of God against his sin. Yet thank God that we can be justified. There's peace and pardon to be found but it's not a man's way. It's not in the way of doing good works of law-keeping, for it cannot. You break one point of the law, you've broken it all. Galatians chapter 3. Not in the modernistic teaching of trying one's best. That's the way of man. And there's a way of man that seemeth right unto him, but the end are off for the ways of death. But we rejoice in the teaching of the Scriptures, the teaching of this great truth. Maybe we could say summed up in Romans 5 and verse 1, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. How can you then be justified in God's sight? It's by placing your faith. It's by resting solely upon Christ and the finished work of God's salvation wrought out at Calvary. Sinful man can be at peace with God all because of the last Adam, the righteous one who stooped to become man so that he could die for man on that cross. It is through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ and his precious shed blood. Don't we read it much more being then now justified by blood, by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. God did not turn a blind eye to what his holy law demanded. But Christ was to perfectly fulfill that law on our behalf, even by the shedding of his own precious blood. And thereby we can read verse 26, as we've done so today, Romans 3, to declare, I say at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just. He's still holy but he's also the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. A holy God yet can justify a sinful man, sinful woman, sinful young person. It was the Lord who bore our wrath and the punishment that was our due. And you know, men and women, closing, I just want you to see that typified because it was typified in the offering of Abel where of his flock he took the best lamb and he offered it to God. He brought that sacrifice. He sought to approach God by the way of the blood shedding. And his sacrifice, his offering was accepted in those grounds. And through that, he obtained the witness that he was righteous able. But Cain brought the work of his hands. His way was out without the blood. 
I believe that it's not the first time that he made offerings to God. I believe those two boys were brought up to know what was right and wrong in that home. And Cain would have brought that offering of the blood sacrifice before, maybe even before the very gates of Eden. But this time was different. And he thought, he says, I'll do it my own way. And he brought the works of his hands. His way was a way of modern preaching. It was the way of the ecumenical movement who seek to reunite with Romanism. His way was unacceptable to God. Why? Because it was the way of human works. You can't please God by your human works. You can only find peace with God and acceptance with God through His way. Sacrifice of the cross. I want you to think of those two in the temple one, the Pharisee. Luke 18, you'll find it. He was offering prayer unto God on the basis of his own works. Verse 11, the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this public, and I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. He's got the eye problem. I'm not talking about a sight. You read those two verses again, you'll see it's all about I, I, I do this, I do this, I do that. And he sought to be justified before God and what he could do. But we're told it wasn't acceptable. You see, it says he stood and prayed thus with himself. His prayer didn't even reach God. Can I ask before I go any further? Am I preaching to a man like that in here? You think you'll get entrance into heaven because of what you've done? Like the popish thought that is abroad today, if my good works can outperform my bad works, then God will accept me. Well, people think like that. If I can get the scales to tip from the good side as opposed to my bad things and bad deeds, then God will let me into heaven. Is that what you think? Dear friend, you're still not at peace with God if that's what you're depending on. But look at this other man. He's a publican. He's from the very lowest of society. We'll put it like that. But he had a God consciousness. He was conscious of his sin so much so that he would not lift as much as his eyes toward heaven, but he smote upon his breast and he simply prayed, seeking the mercy of God. He prayed, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Do you see that in the word? Of verse 13, a publican standing afar off, not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Men and women, that's a short prayer. 
The first word is God. It's not I. It's God. The last word is a sinner. That's me. And the word in between is propitiatious. It's the, it's the sacrifice. That's how you can be at peace with God tonight. A sinner and a holy God can be at peace with him through the sacrifice, the blood that was shed. He prayed, God, be merciful, be propitious to me, the sinner. In other words, what's that mean, preacher? It simply means this, on account of another. On account of the sacrifice, on account of the blood that has been shed from that sacrifice as atonement for sin, turn away thy wrath from me. Simply what it means. That publican looked to the sacrifice. Here's a man who was trusting and depending upon another alone. That other was Christ, just like the reformers were also to do. And the Savior was to say, they want you to miss it, verse 14, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. This man went down to his house justified rather than the other. If you don't know this pardon and peace with God, will you not come to Christ tonight? Will you not stake your all upon him and know the blessing of the reformers, know the blessing of every child of God, know the blessing of the new birth, being born again of spirit? Will you not go down to your house tonight justified? Just as if you've never sinned, righteous, in God's sight. For remember this. And I'm finished. Except a man be born again. He cannot see the kingdom of heaven. That's the Savior's teaching. That's the Lord's word. Except a man be born again. He cannot see the kingdom of heaven. Will you not come tonight God's way? The great truth. The reformers discovered. The great truth has emanated from the Protestant Reformation. That's why we're not ashamed of it tonight. Because the truth of the gospel. May the Lord bless it. And bless his word to each of our hearts this evening. For his own name's sake. Let's sing 245. Just in closing. 245. There is a look. Life for a look for the crucified one. There's life at this moment for thee. And look, sinner, look unto him and be saved unto him who was nailed on the tree. Let's sing the words of one and two and the last one. One and two and four, five and six. One and two, five and six, 245. Let's stand.
Lord, we do thank Thee for Thy Word. We thank the Lord for the one who's a sin-bearer, the one who bore our sins in his own body, the one who finished the work that he had begun. And, O oh God, we rejoice tonight in this the day of God's grace. There is yet life for a look at the crucified one. There's life at this moment for the sinner. And I pray, Lord, that I might speak on when the preacher's voice is silent. Lord, open up blinded eyes. Pray, Lord, I would take away every prop that men and women are leaning upon to get them into glory one day. They would realize that the works of the law can justify no man. Lord, that they might recognize we're justified freely by thy grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Speak, Lord, we pray. Give that deciding grace tonight for a man, a woman, young person, child. To turn just like an old publican and to cry out, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Hear our prayer, part us with thy blessing. Oh, Lord, our prayer is that a man tonight, a woman tonight, would go home to their house justified. Do it for Jesus' sake. Part us in thy fear and thy favor. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.